0: Welcome to the Informed Simplicity Project, a place for students looking for the informed simplicity on the far side of complexity. This is your host, Jordan Harris. Today, I have a dear friend of mine, Jennifer Allen, who has been um, involved in the therapy world for as long as I've known her, Um, and she's on multiple avenues as an advocate, as a counselor, as a client, and today, I'm excited to get her point of view on so many different things. So, Jennifer, welcome. Welcome.
1: Thank you. It's good to be here.
0: Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How How did you um, get into the counseling world?
1: Sure. Um, I guess I'll start by talking about uh, my time in Africa. Um, I grew up as a missionary kid, and um, I my paradigm was like you graduate from college and you're married and you join a mission team and you go to Africa. Um, so the summer before my senior year. I did a missions internship. My my undergraduate degree was in public relations because um, my mom said getting a degree in missions wasn't profitable, and she wanted me to have something that I could make money with. So I'm smart of her. I appreciate that. Um, and so, summer before my senior year, I still was pretty determined that that's what I wanted to do. So I did a missions internship in Uganda. Um, and at the end of that, well, throughout that summer, found out about, um, the Lord's Resistance Army and about, um, child soldiers that were being abducted from their homes in the middle of the night and being taken, um, and came back to the States at the end of that summer, super passionate about that issue, found out about an organization called, um, Invisible Children that was doing a whole bunch of advocacy work around that issue, um, Went back to school, broke up with the guy that I thought that I was going to marry, and um, wasn't a part of a mission team, and didn't know what I was going to do with my life. wasn't super interested in being in public relations. Um, and the one of the missionary families from Uganda was back in the states. I think it was November before I graduated in December. Um, and we had a, like, sit down, come to Jesus conversation in the, uh, like, the student center at my university, and, um, they just kind of talked me through, like, some of my options, and they said, well, why don't you pursue a degree in counseling, and then go back to Uganda and work with these kids, and that's how it all began.
0: Um, oh, yeah. man, I had never heard that part of the story before, which yeah. is uh, funny. <laughs> right, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it all kind of comes together. It's wow. Yeah.
0: So then you went into a counseling program, got your um, I did. Yeah. degree in counseling.
1: I did, got my MSc, my Master's of Science in Counseling. Um, it's a brand new program, it was very small, um, but it was super fun, um, loved loved my teachers loved the program learned a lot
0: yeah yeah um and then you didn't go directly into the counseling field though after that
1: um that let's see i graduated and then kind of went uh went and lived with my parents for about 6 months um just I had been in school for a really long time and didn't know where I wanted to go or what exactly I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to go back to Uganda, but I wanted to have a pretty specific like setup and people to work with and all of that and I just hadn't done that research. I was just getting through school so lived with my parents for about six months um, and then um, they were living in Western Kentucky. And I started looking at jobs in Nashville. And so I found a job working with a huge mental health organization um, that had their hands in lots of different practices. And my first job was, um, I was a, contracted through this organization to work in schools. I worked with kids um, with behavior problems in a pull-out classroom in three different middle schools providing Specifically, mental health services.
0: What'd you What'd you think?
1: Um, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> it was every day was crazy, and I like I loved working with that population. Um, those kids. I I wished that I had the skills. I wished that I knew what I could what to do to help them. Um, and obviously, it's a huge, like, multi layered and multifaceted thing, but. I just I think I just I constantly felt frustrated and sad that I didn't know what to do to help them. Yeah. Um so I did that for a year and then because I was working in schools I had summers off um and I went to DC and was in DC that summer and then I got a call um that my job uh, it was grant funded that the grant hadn't been refunded um and so I had been, I, I was loving DC, loving working with a nonprofit that was working with child soldiers. Um, but I didn't want to be another person that left these kids. And so I was determined to go back to Nashville and um just continue to work on those skills and learn what I needed to do. Um, but then when I found out that the job wasn't gonna be there, um I quit and moved to Hawaii for four months. <laughs>
0: But, I feel like yeah. you're using your uh, vacation like now so, instead of instead yeah. you're sixty <laughs> six months here for a month there. Right. Wow. Yeah.
1: I mean awesome. in Hawaii I lived with my best friend from high school and her uh like six month old twins while her husband was deployed. So I wasn't I wasn't just playing, but you know, it was it's Hawaii.
0: Ho- I mean, I hope you were. It was Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was good. <laughs> There's there's no shade, only, only I mean, that's the white. I've yeah. heard it's like 75 every day and no mosquitoes. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, wow. Okay. And you're, I mean, your, your story already really strikes me because that's the story of everyone I've talked to who's done this job. Mm-hmm. They get out. They feel like they, they don't know what they're doing. Um, and they have some job that is hard. I mean, we really do yes. give in the field, we give the hardest jobs to the least experienced people. Mm, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, it's rough. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's so hard. It's a, and it's I a didn't massive
0: th- design flaw.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> and I didn't know about boundaries. Like I remembered that like practicum class where somebody who is like brand new, graduated, came in and said, I give myself like three stoplights. And then I tell myself I have to stop thinking about it after I leave the office. Or like when I find myself thinking about it, I turn on this song so that it's like a signal that my brain has to shift. Um, And I heard her say those things and I remembered those things, but like I carried those kids. Um, And that summer in Hawaii, when I found out I wasn't going back, I remember like Journaling, writing down all of their names and like crying and praying over those kids, and just being like, and it was a release, it was good, <laughs> but it like I knew their names, I knew their family situations, I knew their IP, uh, what not IPAs, <laughs> IEPs, like all of that stuff. I was so invested, um, which is good, right, but not to that extent, so.
0: So after you, so, so you started working in DC and mm-hmm. you're working with child soldiers. Um,
1: so I, I volunteered for that summer um, with a, it was a organization that was working on policy. And so I was knocking on senators doors and delivering thank you letters after a big event that had happened. Um, but when I, I moved to DC after that summer or after Hawaii and I was working at an adoption agency, so I worked with families adopting from Ethiopia.
0: Hmm. Was that more like case management? Was that more like... Yeah, it was like them... case management.
1: Yeah. yeah. It was... Um, I became an expert on the paperwork process. And so I wasn't even... <laughs> I wasn't even their like case manager on the ground. I just knew what pages and like what documents they had to get from which government agencies and what order they needed to be in and like the details of making sure like the notary's uh, stamp wasn't expired, that kind of thing. But I got the job because of my degree in counseling, which is fine. <laughs> um, but I did, these families are spread out across the United States. I, I met one of the families the whole time, like face to face, but they were traveling, they were visiting from Greece and they were waiting for a very specific adoption, like a sibling group of a specific age. Um, and when I started the adoptions from Ethiopia had just hit the beginning of their slowdown um and so it, I did use skills that i'd learned in helping these families um but this family in particular like who i surely by now they 've gotten <laughs> this referral it 's been seven years, but it had been a long time um And I remember like sitting down with them and chatting and it's just supposed to be an informal visit, but you can see the like fear and the worry and being able to use like some of those skills and also like our shared faith. It was a Christian organization. So I was able to say, "Um, I really believe if you feel like this is something God has placed on your heart, then this will come through. This will happen. Um, And I remember like watching them relax and just their whole body. like, Okay. Yeah, that's that's where we need to turn to. That's what we need to remember.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's undercurrent in your story, uh, at least in this part of that wasn't my therapy skills. And the other side of that is, is that's super, super common. Like that's not uncommon at all. I, I worked at a psych ward where half my job was doing paperwork and placement, you know, and the other half was doing groups. And, I love the people that I worked with. I worked with some great people. Um, but that was the reality of the job market, you know? And I think we don't always do a good job of telling students that and then preparing them f- for that. Yeah, yeah. You know, as much as we go into the field to sit with people, the actual job market is very it can be equal parts social work and equal parts face-to-face counseling right and i think you should sure. be, be pre- 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 prepared for that like, like that is a part for of your sure. quote-unquote skill set so
1: yeah. yeah i think something else i wasn't prepared for i wasn't oh just speaking on that um you reminded me when i was applying for jobs right out of school um I was on the website for this mental health organization and I applied for one position, and I was asking my mom, like, because it asked what your expected salary was and I had no clue. Um, And so I was talking to my mom, who's a teacher and been a teacher for years and years and years. And she figured it was probably one of the higher ranges because it gave, it asked what your expected salary was. And then it gave like, uh intervals like specific numbers and you could choose one of four or five and so I chose like one of the top two um and I didn't get a call back and then when I applied for the second one I don't remember if I put a different number I don't remember how that went but in the interview they asked me oh, didn't you apply for this other position? And I said, yes. And they said, yeah, you had requested too much. Like, there was no way we could accommodate that. So we didn't even call you back. So something else to be prepared for. <laughs> reality check.
0: Yeah, put some actual numbers to that. So right. students know. Yeah. Like, what would you, what?
1: Um, I mean, it's been 10 years. I honestly don't remember what the numbers yeah. were. But it was, I mean, it was. it was the lowest one. I started at the lowest one. <laughs>
0: Well, can you give like like a broad range then?
1: Um, I'm really like I'm struggling my my guess is it was somewhere between like twenty thousand and fifty or yeah, fifty thousand.
0: That was what you requested or that's what you got?
1: No, I think I think I started closer to twenty. Yeah. And I think like the highest was fifty. So it was like twenty, thirty, forty, fifty or something like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's also super true. I um I, I had two job offers when I was living in Louisiana and both I turned down because they were just very low. My first one was thirty five. This is after my doctorate. Wow. I got out yeah. and I was over <laughs> yeah. and I was like, This can't be a real offer. Like, <laughs> right. <was> like what
1: <laughs> Right.
0: And then the next one was a great job and they offered like forty, forty two or something like that. And I was like Yeah. What is going on? Right. Naively, I turned that one down, and then uh, couldn't find a job. So (laughs) couldn't find a job for the next year and a half, and started doing three different part-time jobs. Yeah, yeah. It was hard. It was
1: really hard. Yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah. I mean, I just finished with a master's degree. Surely my entry level is more than twenty thousand. But (laughs)
0: yeah. Um. So you're working for the non for the adoption agency? And then what mm-hmm. happened?
1: So I worked there for two years. Um, my, I, yeah, I'll just get real personal and we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, I grew up, uh, in a very Christian home, like very loving, very like, I mean, as healthy as anybody's going to be right. Um, missionary kid. Um, and my experience in DC was the first time I'd been outside of that uh, Christian sphere. Um, everywhere else, uh, the school I went to was um, same denomination of church that I'd grown up in, and the my friends in Nashville for that year were friends that I'd gone to middle school, at like Bible camp with. So it just had been in the same space forever and ever and ever. And even in Uganda, like same missionary same church denomination so when i moved to dc well that summer i got to know the folks at that nonprofit that were doing the um child soldier work and one of them like grew up two of them grew up catholic one of them was a staunch atheist one of them was like existential crisis every day but well, a lovely human and the other one was kind of in a similar experience like life spaces. Me had grown up Christian and was kind of doing some exploring, but I had never spent time with people who were doing work around um, like issues in Africa who weren't coming at it from a Christian perspective. And I didn't know what to do with that. Like that kind of blew my mind. Um, And then I just kept having experiences like that. I met um, gay people who were Christians, and I had grown up never doubting that Jesus loved gay people, but I didn't know that gay people loved Jesus, Um, and so my experience in D.C. was like revelation after revelation and paradigm shift and paradigm tearing down, and um, I just kept I got to a point where it was just like, I don't know how much more I can learn, but I just kept realizing God is so much bigger than I ever gave him credit for. Um, so that was the beginning of my DC experience. So I worked at this Christian adoption agency for a couple of years until it got to the point where it's just like, I appreciate the work that they're doing, but so many of the families I worked with, like, bless their hearts. Um, it just felt like this like white savior complex or this. It just felt I didn't – I'm sh- I'm sure they all have their best intentions, but I was learning things and experiencing things, and I was in a place where it just wasn't a good fit anymore. So um, I also wanted to get back to working with kids. That was pro- – I think I named that before I named the other stuff. Um, so I became a nanny and I was a nanny for almost two years with a family that um, I'm still really close to. Um, they, I vacationed with them during the summer. They helped send me to Paris for a week to spend time with a friend who was dying of cancer and just super, super wonderful, close friends.
0: Wow. And then?
1: And then, so I did that for two years and then um, they're better friends then it was a working situation (laughs) so I'm glad we're still friends but it was time for me to find something else and I was again like looking at how do I get into like working with kids in a bigger way or in a different way and so I thought that I was gonna work in schools and I applied for a couple of different jobs even had a phone interview um, in my car (laughs) like one day just a little bit quite prepared for that one Um, but just wasn't wasn't sure what I wanted to do, and so wasn't ready to walk into any interview with conviction or um, um, what's the word I'm like, assertiveness, I guess. Um, and so I ended up starting my own business. It was a home organizing business. Um, no business experience, no entrepreneurial experience whatsoever, um, but I was really good at organizing, um, and i would gotten that feedback from my roommates and they said, yeah, I think you'd be great at this. So I did a whole bunch of research about what does it look like to monetize that or, um, what does it look like to be a good home organizer? Still not really doing the business side of it, um, research, Um, and so thought I had a couple of good networks, like between my church and a couple of other churches, just their online, uh, like marketplace. I thought that I was going to be able to advertise and that I would get just Buku people. Yeah, that sounds great. Let me hire you. Um, I think I had five clients over six months, (laughs) um, which was humbling, but also, I didn't know what i was learning i didn't i didn't i just didn't know anything about marketing um so then i started working with somebody from church again a good connection who was starting a co-working space um and he and his business partner their model was that they would work in existing coffee shops that didn't have a whole lot going on during the day, coffee shops or diners or cafes that were kind of slower during the day and had more business at night. So it would make use of their space during the day. And um, they they did all the advertising. And so they had like a pilot location that they were testing out and trying to learn. They were doing all the marketing things I didn't know anything about. So I was learning a lot with them and did that for about a year and a half. Um, and that was really really good learning Um, lots of challenges like personality wise with some of the folks involved in um, in the projects (laughs) but um, just learned so much about business and marketing and keep saying marketing but it's more about like testing this theory and what does it look like to have this idea and put it out there and then improve it as you're going and see how that builds. Um, and they, they, one of the guys worked from home. And so he felt like he had it like super figured out, like these are the key things we need to advertise. And I think he was right. I think it was really good. And we had like, we grew it over that year and a half and it was really fun. But one of the things that I learned, um, was about digital nomads i learned all about who is working in co-working spaces and did a whole bunch of that research and so then found out that there's a whole like community of digital nomads that live all over southeast asia and there's like a it's not a trail but kind of a just several hot spots people places that people visit or places that people work for a certain amount of time um, just based on the visa situation and all of that. Um, but they're working for a company in the West and they're ge- getting a salary at that level. And they're living in Thailand where cost of living is a fraction of what it is in the West. And so they're living in villas and eating coconuts and mangoes every day. And it's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> so I wanted that. <laughs> it's all the
0: Hawaii perks without the Hawaii right. money.
1: Right, exactly, exactly. Um, So I did uh, manage the co-working space and practice some of my PR slash marketing skills. And then um, one of the founders and his wife and three kids went and did a trip in Southeast Asia. And they were gone two or three months. I think they had set a budget and they said they would come home after that. Um, and so I followed, after they came back, I went and did that and I set myself a budget and then I did. I traveled and I traveled all over from Japan all the way down to New Zealand and hit lots of spots in between. And yeah, it was fantastic.
0: <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. So um, at what point did you become a client of therapy?
1: Oh, Um, let's see. So my senior year of college, well, probably my, my first year of grad school. I just start, like I finished in December. Jordan came to my graduation, (laughs) like showed up and watched me walk across the stage and left again. Um, and then, um, Right. I like Isn't how that's right? like the
0: one thing that you remember. <laughs> oh my gosh! It's
1: not the one thing. I'm talking about graduation. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that in there. Oh, you were there. Yeah. Um, But I finished in December, and I started grad school the next semester. And I had a pretty big meltdown that next semester. Um I just dealing with um, all the grief. Like I'd said before, I thought that I was going to graduate, and I was going to be married, and I was going to go to Africa, and I graduated um but I was not married and I was not going to Africa and that I just didn't know what to do with that my whole world was upended and so um drove home a couple of different weekends to my family's house in Kentucky um and one weekend I got there and I went I don't know if it was spring it was a long weekend I was going to go get allergy shots and I Took an. Oh, I was gonna go get um allergy testing for food allergy, and it was spring, and so there was a lot of pollen in the air. So I took an allegra because I didn't. And when I got there, they started doing the testing, and they're like, You're not reacting to anything. It's like, Oh, I took an allegra this morning, and they laughed and they're like, Why did you do that? None of this is gonna work. And I thought, I was just like, Well, pollen allergies are different than food allergies, I thought it would be different. But I got in the car and I cried all the way home because I just felt so ashamed that I wouldn't have known. Um, And that was, and I was supposed to like leave from that appointment and go back to school. And I I don't remember if I called my mom or if I just waited till she got home from work. But I was just like, this is like, this is bad. This is really, really bad. (laughs) Like, very clearly, this is, I wasn't clear at that point looking back, very clearly, that's not like an, a normal response um but I was struggling I was really struggling really depressed and really um so my mom's sister lives in, outside of Nashville and she recommended a therapist so I went for the first time she was wonderful we had a like I, I don't know if it was an extended session it may have been like a two-hour session but just talked a lot and she really wanted me to go to a self-esteem boot camp or an assertiveness boot camp. And I had to go back to school, so I wasn't able to do that. But I started, um, I almost said Lexapro. I started an antidepressant right after that. I don't remember. I think it was Lexapro. Um, and d- was on that for a couple of years.
0: So how many counselors have you had?
1: Oh. <sighs> Um, I think just three, three. So that first one, and then in DC, I saw a woman for a little while. And then now here in Nashville, I've worked with a therapist for over a year.
0: So would you say that you've kind of really only had two because that first one you saw just for that one session?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like. Like she's she's been like a mental health like a resource. Like she feels like a lifeline, like I could call still anytime. She still like sees my aunt. She showed up at my uncle's funeral. Um, so like she's a a part of our family. <laughs> so I feel like she's still part of my life. But yeah, I've only really worked with two. Yeah.
0: No. And you're one in DC, how long do you see that?
1: Um, I think I only saw her for a couple of sessions. Um
0: a couple as in?
1: Maybe three or four. Um, I think the scheduling, I think my jobs changed and I didn't have the money to keep going back. Um, I'm trying to think what the timing was on that. I feel like it was towards the end of my time working at the adoption agency.
0: Okay. And was that a man? Was that a woman? Was that?
1: It was a woman. Yeah, she was recommended to me by someone at the, just one of my friends through the nonprofit. Um,
0: And was she helpful? Was she unhelpful? Was she?
1: She was helpful. I'm trying to think. I think I'm moderately helpful is appropriate. I feel like, I feel like my issues were time of life, and I feel like, like I'm always going to struggle with depression. I was on antidepressants for a couple of years um, and then kind of weaned myself off towards the end of my grad school time. Um, And then, and haven't been back on, but there are definitely times when I can look back and be like, oh, I was real depressed. Um, And I definitely get seasonal depression. And so, that like, I went back to Southeast Asia last year um, and was planning to go for three months just to avoid winter because. Financially, I could, and situationally, I could um, end up seeing six months, but um, sunshine and coconuts, how can you go wrong? Um, but she, yeah, she was moderately helpful. What I remember the- specifically like, working through uh, feelings about a guy and that it wasn't going to happen. Um, I think there was more going on, but that's those are the conversations I remember.
0: Yeah. What could she have done to be more helpful? You know, this is the question mm. I think therapists don't often get feed- I, feedback on.
1: good question. I, I, I think so much of it is personality. Um, and I, it's a good question. I think I felt like she was my mom like giving me advice more than she was because she kept pushing me like asking me like would I regret it if I didn't do this or what would it look like if I didn't do this and like that's good that's helpful from a therapist I think I probably need that seeing as my first therapist wanted me to go to an assertiveness boot camp Um, but I think what I have struggled with a lot is feeling like I is what I is that I don't know the answers or I don't know how to make a next decision or a next I don't I don't know how to weigh like consequences of choices and I just get paralyzed by the fear of the indecision um so probably she was doing something that was helpful and like what would it look like if um, and helping me work through some of that but I think in that situation um, that specific situation it was layered enough that I felt like I already knew what the answer was and so I was struggling with probably just the grieving again honestly um, so maybe if she'd given me those words, <laughs> that would have been helpful.
0: Yeah. She'd been able to just reflect back. Hey, you're, you're just grieving.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe
0: normalize it some more or.
1: Yeah. I think that's something I've struggled with for sure is feeling big feelings and not, uh, and feeling out of place because of it or feeling like crazy because of it. And if more people had said, no, it's okay. <laughs> like just feel your feelings. It's fine. I think, yeah, my life would look different, (laughs) but I'm right there. I'm there now. (laughs) I'm learning how to feel my feelings and it's really powerful.
0: It sounds like she was trying to help you think through your options and you kind of knew what your options Mm -hmm. were. You just wanted to have, you needed to have your, your emotions sort of normalized.
1: Yeah, I think so. That makes Hmm. a lot of sense.
0: You know, it's so hard for therapists. Were you able to tell her that?
1: No, I don't like I think this is the first time I've verbalized that. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I could go back and see if I could find her contact information.
0: I think, remember me from five years ago? Well, uh...
1: (laughs) yeah, this is what I needed from you. Um, I forgot what I was gonna
0: say. I mean, you know, so I'll fill it in
1: yeah
0: um something i've thought a lot about is the process of therapy right yeah most people focus on their model
1: Mm, yeah
0: or they focus on their own as one therapist calls it psychotheology their Mm. philosophy and something that i focus more on is the process right yeah so things like what's the average number of sessions people come Mm, yeah um what are some of the factors across the board, regardless of model or orientation, that keep people in therapy or push people out of therapy? And yeah. it sounds like, and these are all important because I think that these sort of almost like basic factors contribute a lot more to the process than mm-hmm. we think. Yeah. That makes um, sense. From a basic standpoint, you know, like I, I work in an area where we do a lot of emotionally focused therapy, which you've been exposed to. A little mm-hmm. bit, and and a lot of the emphasis is on, you know, um, I don't know, corrective emotional experiences, right? If you can mm-hmm. have someone who um, can share what's going on for them, and then receive comfort in hard places, that people change. Yeah. But if that's not what the client is expecting out of the therapy, then it's going to fail. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't tell you how many clients I've had who've said, "Okay, yeah, we do this, but." what do we do? You know, yeah. this is like
1: yeah, you, you yeah, don't,
0: yeah. what I'm offering you doesn't connect with, with your theory of change. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's such a hard thing mm-hmm. as a therapist, especially because you don't really have that many chances to like fail. Yeah. Right? You yeah. miss it twice. Maybe, maybe three times clients aren't going to yeah. come back and they're not going to be able to, yeah. and they won't tell you, Oh, this is where you miss me. Right. So this, this, this therapist, and I have no idea her from right. Adam or Eve, right? Um, but she could have been the most curious, empathic, warm person, but just missed it with you, right? Like one of the best therapists on the planet has a seven percent rate of people getting worse or no change. So she could have been this lady's kind of power, right? Right. Um but for whatever reason she you're in her seven percent and she missed it and she never got any feedback on why she missed it.
1: Right.
0: And so it's just it's just so interesting, interesting to hear your side of things yeah. and say, Okay, yeah, I just needed to have that normalized instead of thinking through possibilities or strategies or whatever.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. 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 That's really interesting. Excuse me.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and. How? Yeah. What what is the role of a therapist to educate people on what they're capable of <laughs> or to educate How, how, yeah, because people come when they're hurting, right? When there's something wrong and I, we probably expect changes like pretty quickly. We're hurting and we would like something different and there's nothing that's going to be magic like that. Maybe drugs help, but like, there's no, there's no like fixing, fixing. And I think my, one of my biggest issues as a client has always been, um, I know I I know a lot. I'm smart. I'm articulate. Like um, and so I, and I'm super introspective. And so I've already done a whole lot of work before I show up at a therapy session. And some of that's spiraling, and some of that's unhealthy. But I'm pretty I'm pretty good at showing up at therapy and knowing what I what how to talk about what's going on. And so. I think what you're saying about normalizing emotions is what I can't find in myself because I'm spending on what I've got. <clears throat> Sorry. So having, yeah, having somebody just say, Hey, like this is a normal time of life stuff or no, that's, yeah, that's significant. Like that's statistically significant or clinically significant. And these are the things we can do about it. Um, just for some more disclosure, um, I recent, well, I don't know if I'm ready to talk about that. <laughs> no, Not yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, I've started uh, working with a group that has shared, like that has opened my eyes to, um, just dysfunction in family systems like generations back that has changed things more than anything else has. Um, And I feel like it's what I've been looking for this whole time is somebody saying what's going on in your head is normal. Is it to be expected is understandable because of all these other things and here are the steps forward. Um, So that's been revolutionary.
0: Yeah. I wanted to talk to you about that because I know that you've done some like trauma work as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to ask about the trauma or whatever you worked through, but, um, one of the things you said was after you'd done your trauma work, then you got involved in a few different groups or whatever, and you feel like you finally had like action steps. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and ask your question so I can answer it clearly.
0: (laughs) You know, I think that's the, at least for me, as, as I heard that, I had this thought of you're saying that your trauma work was really, really helpful, mm-hmm. but then you're also saying that something wasn't quite hitting, that there was something that was still kind of missing.
1: Right. Um, so I think, yeah, I think there's um, so much of the, work i'm i'm gonna refer to trauma work as the work that i did with a group in dc just like an informal uh group of people that got together once a week and talked about like what we've been through and what does it look like to heal and it wasn't led by a like licensed practitioner it was just like a church group um and it was so i think that was healing because it was normalizing in a way like we all talked about these like difficult experiences and we were able to sit together and talk through all of these things. And that was really, really good. I formed just really close friendships through that. Um, But that those patterns of thoughts and behavior are still there. Like that didn't, that work normalized it in that it um, provided a space for healing and it provided a space for sharing and for actually like, talking about what was going on or what had happened but it didn't it didn't interrupt those it didn't change anything and so um being able to do this work with this group that I'm in now um it just again like just points to it's not just me (laughs) like it's not my fault it's not that I'm broken and and it just reinforces that there is a way to change things that there, there so, are steps for that
0: um and you're also talking to a therapist now you have your own therapist now
1: yeah
0: um and what's that like for you right and in the terms of you you have that but then you also have these this group that, you, that you're a part of and right. it's i'm assuming you're getting different things from these groups
1: I am for sure. Uh, my therapist was the one that recommended this group to me. She's actually been through it herself. Um, and so that I was super grateful for that. Um, she there are times when I feel like she's more of a friend than a therapist and there for a while, like I moved to Nashville three years ago and I haven't made many friends. So there's a part of me that feels like I'm just paying for her to be my friend. Um, but she is super knowledgeable and skilled, so it's not just a friend. But she, um, she, for a long time, I've said it almost like it's, she feels like my cheerleader. Um, and that, again, isn't what I've expected from therapy, but it's what I've needed. I think I don't realize how negative my internal monologue is. And so when she stops me and is just like, yeah, but you've been working really hard. (laughs) Um, It's like, oh, you're right. I have been working really hard. No wonder I'm tired. No wonder I'm stressed. No wonder everything is hard. Like, I have been doing a whole lot of emotional work and emotional growth. And it's good to have her just reflect that back. And just say, No, you're doing a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, where you were a year ago, year and a half ago, completely different. Even. So
0: And do you how often do you do you do you see her?
1: Um, usually every couple of weeks. Um, we took a break. Uh she had a baby and so I think she took two months and then I traveled for a year. So I've been seeing her on and off for about three years, but okay. we've had some interruptions.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like with her, a lot of support, a lot of cheerleading, a lot of encouragement, and then for your group, they're more digging into you and your family and why you did what you did, and
1: yeah,
0: um, also normalizing. Of course, you did this because look at what where you came from. Right. Exactly. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Do you wish your therapist would dig in more? I mean, obviously been- you're getting what you needed from her, right? But right.
1: Yeah, there have been times when I have. I think I talked to you about I wish she would give me some homework assignments. I wish she would give me and I think that was me like just searching for like where is this coming from? Why do I still feel like this 3 years later? I yes, I have grown. Yes, I have learned new skills. Yes, I have done these new things, like new acceptances about myself and all this stuff, but like it still keep like there's still something missing. There's still this feeling that I'm missing something. Um, to put these pieces together. And I think I'm getting that from the group. Um, so I, yeah, I wish there had been more of that from her. And I don't know, I, I did an EMDR session with her and I don't know if we had continued that, um, if I would have felt like I was getting, this isn't how I really feel, but getting my money's worth. Um, it's just like, I go and I talk and talk and talk and then I leave. And sometimes I feel like I've had a little bit of breakthrough. Sometimes I don't. I think I remember sitting in that very first therapy session and walking away just feeling like so enlightened or so much better. Um, And that was like, I was at bottom's bottom. So it wasn't going to take much to like give me hope or give me a little bit more information. And I think, It's not it's not realistic to expect that kind of like aha moment in every single session. Um, because it is like it's a journey, it's a process. There's you have to learn these new skills and you have to practice these new things. She does give me like reading assignments every so often and she'll print it off and hand it to me and I've never read them, so that's on me. (laughs) 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 That's just being real.
0: Oh my, like pages oh my god oh my god oh see and this is the know, thing that confuses like us I, there I, I
1: know I know because you
0: say things like you want homework <laughs> but then when I gave you something you didn't do it so I, want, I don't like, give you an homework. Action.
1: <laughs> I want an act I want to like I want to have to go show up somewhere and act as if or I want to like yeah but yeah you're right, you're
0: right. <laughs> I mean i I mean I'm yeah. just saying, this is, this is the <laughs> part where as someone who's deeply invested, I'm like, I, I, I had a I client. Literally I literally gave you homework. I, I, I don't know. Oh, you want me to give you the homework that you want? But I don't think that that's what you need. So I'm not going to give you what you already want. And if I could do what you wanted to do, you would just do it anyway, right? So. <laughs> oh, man
1: yeah for sure for sure yeah.
0: <laughs> so so so, so, what's the difference between the homework that you're doing and the homework that you weren't doing
1: oh good question um also just so you know there was a lag in the audio right then i don't yeah. know if that'll happen on your side but for me we'll see um The difference between the homework that I am willing to do. Well, I'm not, (laughs) I haven't been diligent about doing this other homework either. Um, I think this other homework, I feel (laughs) more, (laughs) I'm just not good at doing it. Um, I think I get nervous about the amount of emotional investment it'll take and the, the amount of emotional energy it'll take and so I just I just don't do it because I'm already feeling a lot of things I just had a tornado tear through my neighborhood and now with the coronavirus I lost all my jobs so um, just I mean that's just in the last two weeks but
0: um, but, but the one with the group you are doing and you apparently enjoy it and it's really helpful
1: yeah um, for the most part I'm doing it <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I think I just I I what I'm feeling in myself is that I just get nervous about the amount of emotional energy it will take. um But I keep showing up because I know it's important. Because I know that it's good. um My plan is to go back through and work through some of the assignments that I've missed. um Like in a couple of days.
0: It almost sounds like the fact that they're giving you homework. Even if you're not doing it, something about that is encouraging to you, like you feel like there's, yeah. there's a plan
1: yes, for sure absolutely yes um there is a there is a way forward, a way out of this
0: whereas with your therapist, it wasn't often enough to feel like it was consistent or it was part of a larger par- or it was a, or as though it wasn't a ugh, you didn't have the sense that it was a part of a larger sort of plan,
1: yeah. And I that I think you that's very true. I work best when I know what the plan is or what the goal is um, because I, man, can you be my therapist? <laughs> um, yes, I can. One
0: hundred and eight dollars an hour, <laughs> cash under the table, cash under <laughs> <on> the table,
1: <laughs> Venmo. Um, I. Yeah. If I have a really clear goal, I'm will, like, I'll do the homework. I'll do the things from here to there. And I'll like, I'm really happy doing research online and reading articles and finding out what other people are doing. Um, like building a, a business. I'm, I'm learning those skills and I love it. I love doing that research and this is my goal and this is my niche, and. This this is how to market to those people. I love learning those things. Um, so I think if I could apply that to therapy and my work with my current therapist, it's, I just show up and talk and then I leave. Um, and I, I think we do that because it's been infrequent enough and because I've led that way. But if I showed up and said, Hey, if we could like come up with a, like, Five step plan, and this is our goal. Like she would totally be on board with that because the homework that she gives me, it's yeah, she prints it off in class because or in class in session because it's something that we that we've talked Freudian slip, (laughs) right, (laughs) right. Um, Because it's something we've talked about like in the middle of what we're doing.
0: Yeah. Um, early on, so it doesn't
1: feel like it's building.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. Early on early on did you go every week
1: um i think i did um mostly it's financial like she doesn't participate in any insurance so it's just what i can afford but yeah i think i the first month or so i probably went every week month or two
0: month or two so four to eight sessions you went every week and then you started spacing it out yeah Therapy, man, is such a weird, such a weird, and, and job. It's such a weird job. Yeah, yeah. Um, I said that because, you know, in my grad program, and this is still baked into me, even though I know something different, this is still baked mm-hmm. into me. In my in my grad program, I got the assumption that people would come every week for like two years and work through their stuff. That never happens. Yeah, and never happens. Yeah. I tell my clients, people do one of three things. They come, um, and usually they see some sort of change within five to six sessions. And at that point, they either drop out. They say, let's keep going every week, which is a minority of people. Mm -hmm. Or, and the majority of people, they say, this is great. Let's continue this every other week.
1: Mm -hmm. Interesting.
0: And that tends to be what happens until later on they drop out right and so
1: yeah
0: um yeah it's just fascinating hmm.
1: yeah i'm recognizing what's coming up for me and i'm just realizing i feel weird that i'm still going um I'm grateful that she's a resource and like, it's good. It's what I need. But there's a part of me that's like, Oh my gosh, I've been in therapy for three years. What's happening? <laughs> like why, or even why has it taken us three years to get to this point where I found this group? And I'm like, but also like, I came to her a broken shell of a human. <laughs> like, I had, been, I had buried a best friend. I had left my life in Nashville in DC I had traveled for four months in Southeast Asia. Um, I had no friends. I came to her just like, <laughs> um, and so, yeah, she's, we've done a lot of work together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which is awesome. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there any advice? Like if you had to mm. give us.
1: Be more like Jordan. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Don't be like me, <laughs> do not be like me if you if you had to give us some advice some something else as a client that you know most therapists don't don't hear
1: yeah um, i uh, what i'm the first thing that comes to mind is there is a session where my therapist said something and I got really defensive and I felt comfortable saying I like just voicing that and saying, I feel really defensive about what you just said. Um and she was grateful. She was just like, I'm thank you so much for saying that. Um so whether you I don't know how a therapist can say to their client, push back anytime you need to, like tell but somehow making it a comfortable space for people to be able to say even in session, whoa, like what you're saying right now doesn't sit or doesn't fly. Or I'm not like, I can't hear that right now. Um, that was really helpful. I think for both of us in that session to be able for me to be able to say, I like that doesn't sit well.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, Um, I think that's so true. You know, uh, there's a lot of research and I think it transfers over that says, um, people have to feel safe saying no and the more people are safe saying no the more um they say yes
1: Mm, yeah right yeah
0: um and if they don't feel safe saying no eventually they exit the relationship yeah so i think it's so important and yeah it's so important so as i've thought through the process and read some of the research and i try to follow up with my clients and review my past sessions and try to figure out, okay, what the heck is going on here? Um, I feel like there are three types of clients Okay. early, early on. You have some people who just aren't invested in the process. You know, I've, I've had this, I've heard this, but I hadn't really seen it. I'm sure I just missed it. Mm -hmm. Um, up until about about a month ago when I had two sessions that I thought went really really well mm-hmm. and it was early on we were session one or session two um and then the next week I got calls from the, both of these clients and they said that they weren't going to come back and I was like mm-hmm. but the sessions went really really well like you're they were both couple sessions and you're you know you're saying you've said things to each other you've never said before you're hugging each other and crying throughout the session. You know, you know what I mean? Like, like this is mm-hmm. a great session.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And um, both of them said, we decided to go see our pastor because our pastor couldn't see us before, but now, now they're going to go see us. Oh, wow. And at first I was like, what did I do wrong? Oh, my gosh, yeah, I'm a horrible yeah, yeah. therapist. And then I was like, no, they actually just weren't invested in the process. Yeah. They were on the fence.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but you have those those clients. And then yeah, go ahead. no, 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 no. I'm trying to get your feedback here. So you go. Yeah.
1: I feel like I'm curious to hear about the other two kinds of clients, but I feel like that's been me at different points. So like I've been probably all three clients at different points, but go ahead.
0: Um, and then you have the people who they appear to be all in and they come for five or six sessions and then I don't hear from them anymore. And, um, I think I must have missed something with them. And I can't for the life of me tell what it is. I have a client now who, well, I don't have her anymore. She came in and she said that she was just going through lots of stuff and there was no one to really support her. And I just normalized and validated and normalized and validated. She had this weird, this weird look on her face like, you know, what are you doing? She's <laughs> like, this is just really weird for me. I don't, I don't know. And we kept going and I just kept doing that Mm -hmm. because the things that she was talking about were sort of like normal everyday life hardness. Yeah. And then she dropped out about a month ago and I haven't seen her. And I'm like, I don't know what you wanted out of therapy. Yeah. I don't know if you knew what you wanted. Maybe you did. You didn't have the strength to tell me, not strength. But I think it does take a strength to say to the person who's in mm-hmm. who's a therapist like this isn't working for me, yeah, I don't yeah. know I don't like that word, but it's the best word I can think of um, and so I, I think I have some of those who it's like we start off well and yeah. then we get five or six sessions in, and I at least feel like I'm not giving them what they want, and it leaves me with a sense of maybe I'm like letting them down, mm. you know, yeah. Like, like they come in, they came in with hope, and then they left I with think it, being let, let down.
1: Le- being let down. Yeah, I want to fix your problem. I want to tell you. Tell me. Fine, but I want to know. <laughs> no, I just, I just want to make you feel better. <laughs> like, that's, my, <laughs> that's my go-to. Like, oh, yeah. but, you're but you're fine. Um, it's not about you. It's about them. Um. I think it's, I think it's really hard. I think we don't know what we want and we don't know how to say, no, this is what I want. That's why we came to therapy. We need somebody to tell us what we need. Um, And it's hard to sift through like what I'm experiencing. And I think, I mean, I think we give a lot of weight to what a therapist is saying. Um, because, um, sorry, I got distracted by my phone. I think we give a lot of credence and weight to what a therapist is saying. And if it's not working, then it probably feels more like a personal failure. Feels like I'm not showing up in the way I need to, or I'm not communicating clearly. Um, so I think your client's probably walking away feeling the same way that you are, but not about you. Just feeling (laughs) like. This feeling like i don't i don't know what I, I something's missing, but I don't know how to say what i need um so may, I, I don't maybe i like session five make it a hey a check in session make it a what's working for you what's not working for you what questions do you have for me what do you wish you could say to me <laughs> I don't know yeah session four or session
0: five yeah you know i i tell i try to i tell most of my clients i have a checklist of things in the first session and i tell them um i want to win and i Mm. win when you get the help that you need and so if if something doesn't fit for you if you need a different therapist that will help you find someone else
1: Mm. um so you you wouldn't mind if they left like with a referral from you, but it's frustrating that they leave with no word. Right. You're getting ghosted
0: I'm getting yeah, I mean uh, yeah i get I get ghosted a lot, and I think yeah. some of that is you know like anyone yeah if you're feeling better, yeah, you don't even think about like I have two clients that were instructive instructive to me in this, Because mm-hmm. um, we both had sessions where. They left feeling fundamentally different, hmm. and um, they didn't come back. And one, <laughs> I'd call and check in, and she'd be like, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah." Um, I don't have my schedule yet, and she said set an appointment, she'd come, and then I didn't hear from her for like a month. And I'd call, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah," and like she's feeling better. Yeah. So she's yeah. not even thinking about coming in anymore. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And I had a, a guy that also happened with, so I know that that also happens.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and that probably happens more than I think it does. But as a therapist, you just don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> this person's just gone. Yeah. You're like, I don't <laughs> know what yeah. happened. You know, there is yeah. no closure, as a friend of mine says.
1: Mm, yeah. Um, I'm that person.
0: You're I that did person. That my <laughs> I did that with
1: my DC therapist, for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, that is interesting, right? Because
1: yeah.
0: in some ways, your DC therapist and your therapist now Seem like they were both helpful mm-hmm. um but with your dc therapist you didn't say hey i'm done i'm gone i'm
1: yeah i think yeah. with her we wouldn't even with my current therapist we always set the next appointment in the session so that's one tactic Yeah. um and then the other the one in dc i i don't think we did that there was no follow-up because it was like it wasn't like there was a front office at the desk or anything mm-hmm. I would just we would I would meet her and then we would get done and she would say something like reach out when you want to set up a new appointment or something mm-hmm. like that so she was also much not much older but she was older than any of the other therapists I've seen mm-hmm. um so it may be that she that's just she just accepted that that was part of it, it Just like like yeah. I don't hear from them and
0: they're just done Yeah, I think that's a big difference. I have a friend who does that and I do what your therapist now does. I, at the end of Mm -hmm. session, set our next appointment. And, um, you know, I think my, when I actually track my numbers, clients come on average for about eight sessions, seven or eight sessions. Um, and his come for like three. Hmm. And I think that's the difference. I think the expectation, which he would say is not helpful because he wants to see the idea that you're okay without having to come in. So that's a great thing to seed. Um, I lean more on the side where I assume people are more hesitant. So they don't always ask when they need help.
1: Got it. Yeah.
0: And so that's why I do things the way I do things. Right.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
0: Makes sense. Hmm. um and let me ask you this right so then there's so we talked about the first in my mind the first two types of clients and I think that their type of client is the client who comes in and they're asking for something that you don't offer Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right yeah which is a tricky thing but it happens every once in a while as in I will often, not often, I'll occasionally have parents come in and they want to, they want me to do therapy with their kid. And I, and I tell them, um, I don't do therapy with kids alone. I do family therapy. And that looks like is we work with the kid until the kid is ready to work with you. Mm. And then we do family sessions from that point forward. So I can't work if you are not going to be available. I'm just mm. not going to set that up on the front end. Yeah. Or I'll have people come in and they say, hey, I need CBT skills for X, Y, and Z. And I, and I go, kind of like what I said to you earlier. Like, if that's what you needed, I would assume you would already do it.
1: Got it.
0: As though hmm. you can't pick up, you know, a book on CBT and work through the workbook. Yeah. Um, and I think...
1: They just need the, a coach.
0: They just need a coach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In some in some sense, and I think that's a, that's like a weird middle ground, because it's not that they're necessarily not invested. Mm-hmm. It's that they have a very specific theory of how people change, yeah. and if you can't match that theory of change, um, then it's not going to work out. Yeah. Did and,
1: you set up? Sorry did you set up those uh, as a result of experiences or just after all of your school and learning and experience?
0: Um, It's a combination, right? And so there's a lot of stuff on motivation in therapy, which I'm taking much more seriously now. There's also stuff on common factors. And people tend to think of common factors as these are the common factors that make therapy successful. Mm. And to me, the obvious implication of that is there must also be common factors that make therapy unsuccessful. Okay. Um, and so that's why I'm thinking about motivation and what clients think of think of as that theory of change. And then, you know, the other part of this is my own clinical experience. Yeah. So
1: Makes sense. That's a mix. Just curious. Yeah. Yeah. And then there are clients that show up motivated and ready to work.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think for me, those are the hardest, honestly, to identify because um, I don't think that they stay for very long. You know, I don't have people stay for, that's part of why I want to talk to you because you, yeah. I think, I think my experience has been Therapists over report the number of you that they have in their session.
1: Oh, interesting. Yep. Okay.
0: Um, When I actually have my friends who track their numbers, it doesn't happen that often. When I have people who look through and pull their statistics, Mm -hmm. it doesn't happen that often. Yeah. Um, But they will say that, oh, yeah, so and so is, you know, have so many people who come, and that doesn't tend to happen. Got
1: it.
0: Huh. And, my yeah.
1: huh is uh i'm interested that they over report that i is it because they've built a relationship and they know this client and that they've been there for so long that it feels like they're there all the time <laughs> I don't know
0: it's a I, it's uh it's a um i think it's a memory trap yeah right people tend yeah. to misremember, and so that's why it's important to that's why it's important to do research and to track your numbers and look at the people yeah. tend to misremember on both sides. Yeah. But part of what we know from the research is that therapists tend to overreport um, how well they're doing with with with, with clients. They tend to um, excuse me. They tend to miss when they're missing with with clients. Hmm. So they they really don't do a good job of telling the difference. Um, And part of that is just humans have selective memories.
1: Yeah, no, I'm thinking if I had a practice, would I even think to track my numbers? I think at some point I would, but I mean, the first year or two would just be like, just give me the clients,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. So, well, look, anything else? Any other thoughts? As someone who's done a lot of her own work, and
1: no, I'm I'm intrigued by your question, or your question or your observance that therapists don't know what they're what they're missing with the client or what they've missed with the client um and I don't know how to qualify that but I'm interested in it and I like I have a lot of friends who've been through therapy like I could pull all my friends and be like what do you feel like was missing yeah yeah yeah
0: be Everyone's at home anyway with the coronavirus. So <laughs> a few texts Everybody's to trying me. to <laughs> yeah.
1: trying to find their therapist right now. Um yeah, my therapist actually suspended uh their sessions for now because she has to be home with her kids and her kids are young enough that she can't do virtual sessions. So if her husband gets sent home full time, then she'll pick him back up. But yeah, there my therapist just <laughs> unavailable at the moment
0: what am i gonna do (laughs)
1: Uh, um but yeah no she was funny after my six months traveling in southeast asia um and then like three months later just about she was gonna go on maternity leave she was like if you need me i'm available what am i saying you've been in southeast asia you're fine (laughs) you're not gonna freak (laughs) out (laughs) But she was having some clients who were like panicking that she wasn't gonna be available. I was like, yes. I sent her, I think three, there there are some significant life events that happened during her maternity leave, but I just sent her like incomparably long emails. (laughs) And and then I felt better. So,
0: someone in the universe knows.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Well, look, Jen, do you have any closing thoughts for us before we get off?
1: Um, thank you for what you do. Even if you never hear from clients <laughs> who just disappear, like just you, confident. the fact that you listen is a huge deal. Um, yeah. The work that I did in Uganda, I lived in Ug I forgot this. I think I lived in Uganda for a year and worked with child soldiers. Um, after A semester of grad school in therapy. Um, So I showed up with full disclosure, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm brand new to this, but I care and I would love to listen. And that's what they needed. Um, They just needed somebody in the world to know their stories. And that's, that's a huge gift that you offer. So thank you for that.
0: Well, on that note, thank you for coming on the show.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having me.